RPGs podcast. We talk about everything tabletop RPG related, mainly with a focus on Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition, but we like a little bit of everything around here. This episode is going to be talking about the 1D&D Playtest 8, the latest of the Playtest supplements coming out with this whole 1D&D project as we lead in towards potential 2024 Player's Handbook, I believe. This playtest is looking at the monk, the barbarian, and the druid. It's not going to be a particularly long episode. I'm not going to delve very deeply into reviewing the different mechanics. I'm also going to be talking about the changes that have come with this new playtest. So let's roll. Starting off, looking at the playtest itself. Handy dandy, it gives us a little bit of a uh, breakdown as to what they look for uh, what they, what changes are coming up in this playtest. So starting off with the Barbarian. Rage says you're in the little, little block that talks about the, the, the new changes here. Rage now regains one expended range when you finish a short rest. You also get now something called Brutal Strike, which was formerly Brutal Critical. This is a new feature that lets you trade the advantage granted by your reckless attack for tactical options. Then, you also got improved Brutal Strike, which expands the options of a Brutal Strike feature, and then Persistent Rage restores all your rage once per long rest, and the unconscious feature, con- unconscious condition not incapacitated, shuts off your rage. So, let's mainly look at those individual pieces and compare them to the original Barbarian. I'm well aware that these are the, I think the second time, maybe even the third for the Druid time that these are featured in this playtest. So I'm not really going to talk about the changes from the last playtest to here, as much as I'm going to talk about the changes from original PHB classes to here. So, looking at the Barbarian. Originally, Rage. That's the main thing that, uh, that's the first point they've spoken about here. So, level one, you can imbue yourself with a primal power that is called your Rage. A force that grants you extraordinary might and resilience. You can enter it as a bonus action, provided you aren't wearing heavy armor. While active, your rage has the following benefits. Damage resistance, you gain resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, and slashing. Cool, standard. Rage damage, when you make an attack with a weapon using strength or an unarmed strike. And deal damage to the target, you gain a bonus to the damage that increases as you gain levels as a barbarian, as shown in the rage damage column of the barbarian table. Then strength advantage. You have advantage on strength checks and strength saving throws, no concentrations on spells, you can't maintain concentration, and you can't cast spells. The rage lasts until the end of your next turn, and it ends early if you don heavy armor or have the incapacitated condition. So, if you get paralyzed or the like, ends. If your rage is still active on your next turn, you can extend the rage for another round by doing one or more of the following. Either making an attack roll against an enemy, force an enemy to make a saving throw, or take a bonus action to extend your rage. Each time it's extended, it lasts until your next turn, and you can do this up to 10 minutes. All right. (coughs) (laughs) <laughs> so what I like about how rage is clearly defined out now at one D is that clearly this, these changes, these minor tweaks have come from playing years of playing. Now it's come from seeing players, players, barbarians run, run, run. I'm going to throw my, I don't have a javelin and I'm fighting a Pegasus or a Griffin or something like that dragon. And I cannot reach them on this turn. Damn it, my rage is going to end. So I attack myself to deal damage to myself, which is really silly. It's a very 
silly thing that pretty much breaks the immersion and the fantasy of the barbarian. So to have it that they've re kind of restructured it, at its core, Rage is exactly the same. But it's the fine and nitty gritties that have changed. The fact that it lasts until you use your bonus action to... Um, it lasts for one round, but you can use your bonus action to extend it. One thing I don't like about this is... So this means that you no longer get to keep it activated if you've taken damage, which that I, I would have kept in here. Because now say if you wanted to do like a build where you rage on your first turn, rush into combat, and your whole deal is like, let's use, for example, Armor of Agathus. Okay, let's say Armor of Agathus. You Armor of Agathus is not a concentration spell. So it is, you could theoretically, if you've like multi-classed or whatever into Barbarian Warlock or something, you could seriously go uh, action, Armor of Agathus, bonus action, Rage. Cool. Rush into combat. Now, so you have a build that also now has, I don't know, I'm trying to think, I can't think of an example right now that feeds into this, but basically if you're not made, then making an attack action on your next turn, but you want to use your bonus action to keep something up, or say you've got like a fighter level, so you want to go second win bonus action or something like that, you can't now and keep your rage up, so that's interesting. But overall, I like the change to rage um just flicking past weapon mastery i think i might do a whole episode on weapon mastery i think it's great and i think weapons up to this point has been a major shortcoming in 5e so to have something like weapon mastery that makes it so your choice in weapons matters is great in a in my home game, I've uh, mentioned it before, the setting of Scales Echo. It's this sci-fi, um, dark sci-fi, dark fantasy kind of kind of setting. And I've restructured the weapon system so that each weapon has one of three traits. And a number of other traits on top of it, but I've added a lot of traits to weapons. Akin sort of to the properties of weapon masteries, but... All weapons have these. It's not like you have a mastery over this weapon kind of thing has has how this this mechanic works in weapon masteries. I added the, the whole weapons triangle and everything like that. The core what I'm getting at is weapons choice should matter. And this is a step towards that. So I like it. The major thing that they want to talk about here. Let's, let's, just, let's just jump straight to it. Let's just jump straight to it. At ninth level, you get... Brutal Strike. Now, at ninth level as a Barbarian, normally in the PHP handbook, you would get Brutal Critical, which basically just, when you roll, you deal one additional damage die if you are critting. Cool. I think they fixed, I think they made this in a, in one of the previous playtests where you just roll an additional D12. So that makes it that up to this point, you had to use a Great Axe to get the most. Because if you're using a Great Sword, you're just rolling one more D6. Damage-wise, this is not going to add up. So, Brutal Critical very much was like, cool, you have to use a great axe. So, to then have this new feature now, which is called Brutal Strike. If you use your Reckless Attack, you can forego the advantage on the next attack roll you make on your turn with the Strength Best Attack. If that attack hits, the target takes an extra 1d10 damage of the same damage type dealt by the weapon or the unarmed strike. You can then cause one brutal strike effect of your choice. 
there are two options for this. Forceful blow and hamstring blow. Forceful blow, the target is pushed 15 feet straight away from you. You can then move up to half your speed towards the target without provoking opportunity attacks. Awesome. Thematic? Badass? Like, just the idea of, like, just rushing at someone, knocking them, very anime, bashing them into a wall, running after them and and continuing your onslaught. Love it. Hamstring blow. The target speed is reduced by 15 feet until the start of your next turn. Very much a brutal strike. You've you've knocked them and injured them to the point where they aren't able to move as quickly. I really like this. Damage-wise, consistently allows you to deal more damage by adding the extra 1d10. It's only allowed to use once per turn, it seems. Just says, uh, forego advantage on the next attack roll you make. So the, I would interpret that as you use it once per turn because reckless attack you declare then you make your next attack i really really like this i really really like this the fact that it only comes online at level nine not too sure i would maybe even make this come online a little bit earlier but not add the extra d10 damage maybe add the forceful blow slash hamstring blow feature and then your brutal strike becomes a brutal strike (laughs) that adds the d10 damage just an idea but definitely this keeps the Barbarian on par with the, the fighter being able to use deal more attacks and, and Paladins being able to smite and so on. I like it a lot. To level up with that, level 13, you've got Brutal Strike Improvement. There are new ways you can attack ferociously. Now you can choose not just Hamstring Blow or Forceful Blow, but you've got Staggering Blow and Sundering Blow. Staggering Blow, the target has disadvantage on the next saving throw it makes, and it can't make opportunity attacks until the start of your next turn. That is huge. The opportunity attacks, cool. You're dealing an extra D10 damage, and they have disadvantage on the next saving throw. The Barbarian is suddenly no longer just the damage sponge, just the front line. They are able to fully communicate and set up strategic plays on a round with the wizard you, you know the like the wizard's rearing up to to throw a disintegrate at this uh massive dragon staggering blow there's no save it takes one extra d10 damage cool that's that's decent and they have disadvantage on the next saving throw they make that disintegrate is now a disadvantage deck save which at the very least means that more there's a very high chance that they're gonna have to waste the legendary resist amazing Love it. Then Sundering Blow. Your blow leaves an opening in the creature's defense for an ally until the start of your next turn. The next attack roll made by another creature against the target gains a bonus to that roll equal to your rage damage. I would never use Sundering Blow. (laughs) In comparison to Staggering Blow or even um, Forceful Blow or Hamstring Blow, there's no reason really to use Staggering Blow to grant the next uh, creature a plus at that stage, at level 13, you've maybe got plus 4 damage, no, 3 damage to rage damage. It's not worth it. That's less than a potential bless can give, you know. Um, and then Brutal Strike Improvement, level 17. The Brutal Strike deal damage is now 2d10. In addition, you can use two different Brutal Strikes effect when you use your Brutal Strike feature. That's so good. I really like, in the Blood Hunter video I referenced, I like improving features. I like things in a later level that harkens back to something that you got in an earlier level and i love now that brutal strike and everything surrounding it is now something that you get at three different levels 
and they all improve not only just the damage of the barbarian but the tactical potential of the barbarian absolutely love it path of the world tree i don't really have too many thoughts on this honestly haven't delved too deeply into it i like the themes of it the uh almost like norse asgardian kind of feel that i got from it uh cosmic ash tree egdrasil i think that's how you spell it uh, pronounce it this world tree grows among the outer planes connecting them together like very cool not the type of theme we've delved into for barbarians so i don't really have too many thoughts on it overall as far as core features for the barbarian go i'm a big fan i'm a big fan of these changes i don't see outside of sundering blow not being as strong a choice as the others i don't see any changes that needs to be made to the barbarian now maybe adding that your rage can be continued into the end of the next turn or whatever if you take damage perhaps but otherwise i'm happy the bob sounds really fun and it, i really like what wizards of the coast seem to be doing with this one D stuff with similarly with the rogue is this using currency in pretty much all the classes you see it a lot in the druid with like you can use a use of wild shape to do x or whatever or the, bob, the, the bard that's like you can use one use of bardic inspiration to do why. And I really like that. So I like that they're creating currencies in classes that didn't really have them before. Barbarian, the currency was rage. But you can't be like, I give up rage to do this. Rage is such a core feature. So what they do is they, they do this. They, they've given up the advantage on that, that attack. It's like with rogue with the, I can't remember what they called it, but the, uh, this like roguish styles, roguish attacks that they could sacrifice some D6s from the sneak attack to do things like poisoning and disarming and tripping. And I think that's really, really interesting. So I can gush about the barbarian for a while. So let's go on to the druid. Druid had a couple of changes, mainly in the, uh, circle of the moon subclass. We'll take a look at that. So main updates in this class Wild Shape now allows the Druid to know more beast forms, and it gives temporary hit points to the Druid. In addition, the beast form no longer retains the Druid species traits. Huh. So, we did actually do a little playtest, a couple of friends, and one of my friends did pick up uh, Druid, and immediately there was a confusion between the two of us on the changes. We like the idea of like having a list of wild shape forms. That's really good and really streamlining, I think, for, for gameplay, especially for the DM. To not have to be like, oh, cool, you've been a something all this time. Now you want to be like a mongoose. Okay, cool. Let me find a mongoose that block. <laughs> like, um, so I like that. Being able to allow your players, allow your DMs to be prepared with your wild shapes. Great. Good idea. As far as I'm aware... The temporary hit points weren't a thing. I remember us having this conversation where I think I said that I'll have to double check it. The whole wild shaping now in this new form, you just changing your form and sometimes getting a damage boost. There was no benefit to it. You no longer made the druid a tank. And that's the big thing about the druid, especially the circle of the moon. Wild shaping makes you a tank because you just replace your HP with the HP of the shape when the wild shape drops to zero HP, you're back at your normal HP. Arguably, too tanky, potentially. You know, positions for abuse if you multiclass with barbarian and things like that. 
So let's see what they talk about here. So just a quick touch on this whole choice that you make in your choose your primal order, either magician or warden. Magician at level one giving you one extra cantrip. And this uses your and intelligence nature checks use your wisdom mod. Or you could choose warden, which gives you martial proficiency and web armor training. And the ability to get, as you go on, choose more like specialties. So like level seven, you can choose potent spellcasting or primal strike. The level 15, based on what you chose, that improves. I like that. Give me more choiceful variability and variety in my class that's not just my subclass and the spells. I think that's really fun. The way I create classes is very much built on this. <laughs> it's very much cool. You've got your subclasses. That's your main area where flavor changes and major RP choices and mechanics choices change between subclasses. But... Every class also potentially has like a smaller choice that they can make throughout. So let's look at Wild Shape. Known forms, you know a number of, I mean, I'm not going to go over the, all the flavor text, but bonus action. So that's, you know, not just uh, Circle of the Moon Druids, but all of them can use it as a bonus action. As a bonus action, you transform into the beast form that you have learned for this feature. You stay in that form for a number of hours equals a half your druid level or until you use wild shape again or have the incapacitated condition. Known forms, you know a number of forms equal to two plus half your druid level. That's still a lot of, <laughs> a lot of forms, but it's fine. Um, rather than, but they must still lack a fly speed. Rather than choosing, you can start with the fly, riding horse, spider, wolf. Replace uh, whenever, you can replace them whenever you finish a long rest. When you gain certain druid levels, maximum challenge rating increases and eventually they can have a fly speed. We know that. When choosing a new form, you may look in the monster manual and so on. Number of uses. You can use wild shape twice. You regain one expended use when you finish a short rest and you regain all expended when you finish a long rest. Cool. Gain additional uses when you reach certain druid levels and so on. Rules while transformed. Here we go. <laughs> while in a form... So let me just say... <laughs> before I go... Let me just say... I love the idea of class features and uh, racial features and feats and things like that being usable in Wild Shape, not because they're optimal. Sometimes they're optimal, you know, rage as a uh, as an animal and so on. Sometimes just because they're cool, Paladin Druid, smite with your bear. Like, do it. That sounds fantastic. Like, Monk be like use your step of the wind rogue uh be able to hide as a bear i don't know like that's fun stuff and things like tabaxi having its uh like super speed mode in a animal shape animal form i think that's really cool i understand on paper why that wouldn't carry across necessarily or at least not all of them would i still am just like just let them do it but let's get on to it while in this form, you retain your personality, memories, and ability to speak, and the following rules apply. Your game stats are replaced by the stats of the beast, but you retain your hit points, hit die, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma, class, features, languages, and feats. Amazing. All that stuff still works. Love it. You also retain your skill proficiency bonus for them, in addition, and saving throw proficiencies, and use your proficiency bonus for them. In addition to gaining those of the creature... If the creature has the same proficiency as you and the bonus and its stat block is higher than yours, use the creature's bonus instead of yours. Cool. That's like a monster having a proficiency in perception, but you have terrible wisdom. You still get to use the perception score of the creature. I think that's a bit messy. I would just make it that you are proficient in it, but it's fine. 
if the creature has any legendary or lit actions, you can't use them. 100%. Temporary hit points. When you assume a wild shape form, you gain a number of temporary hit points equal to your druid level. Alright. You can't cast spells, but transforming doesn't break your concentration on a spell you've already cast, or prevent you from taking actions that are part of a spell, such as the core lightning spell that you've already cast. So let's cycle back for a couple seconds. Remember when I said let your players smite as an animal? Now, I didn't have this podcast when the playtest for the Paladin came out. But I had a lot to say. (laughs) For those of you who don't know, my favorite class of all time is the Paladin. I'm a huge Paladin fan. Second only by... The second is Wizard. But that's purely because I played a Wizard for like three years. But if I were to say just what class do I like the look of, what class works the best for me, what class do I enjoy playing the most as a general rule, it's Paladin. And they massacred it. The fact that Divine Smite now is casting a spell using a bonus action, it's not a class feature that uses a spell slot anymore, means you can't do that anymore. As it stands now with this. Because you can't cast spells in Wild Shape. I think Circle of the Moon allows you to cast some, so then it could be fine. And I know that's really the only build unit, but it's just like, again, why why change that? Anyways, it's fine. I know there was reasons to change it, but still. Objects, yeah, that's fine. So that's the major the major change, really, is that um, you've got a number of spells that you... A number of, of Wild Shape choices, okay. Circle of the Moon. Design note. Circle Spells is a new feature that provides spells that you always have prepared and can cast in wild shape form. Circle Forms, formerly Combat Wild Shape, has been streamlined to determine your AC and the number of temporary hit points gained. Improved Circle Forms lets you add your Wisdom modifier to your con saving throws while in a wild shape form. And Lunar Form now also lets each of your wild shapes attack a deal extra radiant damage. So let's look what that means. Level 3, Circle Spells. Your connection to the circle ensures that you always have a certain spells ready. When you reach a druid level specified in the Circle of the Moon table, you therefore always have these spells prepared. In addition, you can cast the spells from the feature while you are in a wild shape form. Only these spells can be cast while in wild shape, so you still cannot Divine Smite as a bear. We hate it here. <laughs> so the spells are Cure Wounds, Moonbeam, and Starry Wisp. We're going to get to some of the new spells. Vampiric Touch at 5th level, all right? Don't really see how that... Okay, sure. Font of Moon, Fount of Moonlight at level 7, which is also a new spell. And then Dawn, level 9. Gold, some, some light, some moon, some nighttime spells, and some healing options there for your wild-shaping druid. I back it. Still don't like how this means that you cannot Divine Smite, but hey, it's fine, we move. Circle forms, uh, you have learned ancient techniques that allow you to channel lunar magic when you assume a wild shape form, granting you the following benefits. The maximum challenge rating for the form now equals your druid level divided by three, rounded down. I think that's what it always was. Armor class, your AC equals to 13, plus your wisdom mod until you leave the form. So you no longer... <sighs> just, just, just size... Remember when I said, I like when class features carry over. Say you're going barbarian. You're barbarian, circle the moon druiding. Potentially, 
Not always. Potentially, generally, your AC is going to be stronger like this. 13 plus your wisdom mod. Your wisdom mod's probably going to be at a plus 5 at higher levels. It's going to get to 18. That's a decent AC. Sometimes it would be nice to have the option to do use your, your um, unarmored, mo- unarmored uh, armor. What unarmored defense, that's it. To use your dex and con, you know. Or be a multi-class into monk and use your dex and wisdom. Anyways, it's fine. <laughs> dex and wisdom, that would have actually made you be stronger potentially if your dex was higher. Because then it wouldn't be capped. You could potentially have a D- an AC of 20. But it's fine. Temporary hit points. You gain a number of temporary hit points equal to three times your druid level. Wonderful. I like this. When I was thinking about the temporary hit points thing from earlier, I just immediately thought of the circle of the spores druid, which when assuming that spore form or whatever it's called, you get temporary AC, I think it's equal to four, temporary HP equal to four times your druid level, I believe, if not three times your druid level. So I like that. It's not, it's sort of equal. You know, you're able to enter an animal form and get big temporary HP, or you can enter your uh, spores form if you're a spores druid instead and get some big HP there as well. So, yeah, I like it. Level 10, you get Moonlight Step. Oh, no, sorry. Improved circle forms at level 6. Lunar Radiance. Each of your attacks and wild shape deal normal damage type or radiant damage. Cool. No longer magical. For the sake of overcoming resistances, instead of just going radiant, which is fine, but there are monsters that resist radiant, but it's fine. Increased toughness, you can add your wisdom modifier to your constitution saving throws. Cool. I like it. Only in wildship form, but still, still good. Moonlight step at level 10, you magically transport yourself, reappearing amid a burst of moonlight. As a bonus action, you teleport up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space you can see, and you have advantage on the next... And the next attack roll you make before the end of this turn. You can use this feature number of times equal to your wisdom mod. And you regain all expended uses when you finish a long rest. You can also regain uses by expending a spell slot of level 2 or higher. Each use for each use you want to restore. No action required. Alright. You get Misty Step. Misty Step and an additional, not an additional attack, but a better attack. Cool. I like it. I will say... That's, I mean, I haven't read through the flavor text of the Circle of the Moon, but changeable as the moon, a true to the circle might prowl as a great cat. Like, I feel like the imagery, I always kind of interpreted the Circle of the Moon as the moon almost being like a a beacon of change. Symbolic and things such as like lycanthropy, you know, or just the changing cycles of the moon and that being why you're able to transform. But I especially think of it in terms of lycanthropy and like the full moon being such a symbol of like a cause of change. So now to have things like starry wisp and lunar and moonlight step, I don't know. I never really saw it as channeling moonlight magic, but it's fine. (laughs) Kind of many times I've said it's fine. Um, I don't have major opinions on the druid. I have major opinions on the paladin, but not the druid. Lunar form, Power of the Moon suffuses level 14, suffuses you, granting you the following benefits. Improved Lunar Radiance, each of your attacks in Wild Shape deal an extra 1d10 radiant damage on a hit. Shared Moonlight, whenever you use Moonlight Step, you can also teleport one willing creature, they must be within 10 feet, and they teleport to within 10 feet of your destination. Cool, yeah. Don't have too much to say, the Druid is good. It's try to uncomplicate a seemingly complicated class 
Druid is arguably, I think, one of the more difficult classes to pick up and play, especially for beginners. And I think changes such as having beast forms prepared um, in the base Druid, that's pretty much the only change I can think of that is useful here in the the task of making the class less complicated. And then the changes to the circle of the moon, it's fine. Having new spells is cool. I like new spells. Having some sustainability is good. Not being able to cast, not being able to use class features is a bit of annoyance. But overall, it's still good. And I don't foresee any reason to change it beyond this. Let's see if we say the same about the monk. So the monk is bad. <laughs> the monk is a bad class. The monk is weak. The monk is feels strong early game to, I think, to beginner players as well. And features on paper like stunning strike and stuff, you're like, oh, great, this is so strong. But in actual fact, the economy of what they call discipline points now is not good. It's not, your features are so clearly, your base features are so clearly tied to this resource that you can't compare it to something like sorcery points. Sorcery points merely amplify your already core features of spellcasting. Discipline points are needed for your features. Flurry of Blows being one of them. Uh, Stunning Strike, another one. Step of the Wind, Patient Defense, uh, just all the top of my head, already four major features. You're using at least two of them per round, for sure, uh, from like five level on, level five onward, which means you only have discipline points for two rounds, maybe two and a half. So let's see if they fix that. So <laughs> the change is Martial Arts. See the return of Monk Weapons and the Martial Arts die applies to both Unarmed Strikes and Monk Weapons. Bonus Unarmed Strike is no longer tied to the attack actions. This is something that I actually hadn't considered is the idea that you can't bonus action attack unless you've taken the attack action. It has something, it is something that's come up in my games that did DM for a monk back when I was playing Lost Minds of Fendelva last year sometime. And it is something that came up. I do recall that, but it's not something that's front of my memory. So that's interesting. Being able to separate that, you could just make a bonus action, unarmed strike. Very cool. Dexterous attacks now allows you to use your dex mod in place of your strength mod when setting the saving throw DC for grapple and push. Um, weapon mastery is cut, so they want to simplify it so you don't get access to weapon mastery anymore. Monk's discipline, formerly martial discipline. These options have been redesigned to have options that don't require spending discipline points. Wow, wow, wow. Love it. Uncanny Metabolism, formerly Heightened Metabolism, moves to level 2 and now regains discipline points when you roll initiative. All right. Everything I just said, not having features that don't require discipline points, running out of discipline points too soon, it's already, it already seems to be fixed. Deflect attacks, formerly deflect missiles, now also works against melee attacks and the damage of the reaction now includes your dex mod. Wonderful. Stunning Strike now deals force damage if the creature succeeds on the saving throw. That's cool. It's no longer um, the opposite of <laughs> save or suck where the uh, the person that's taking the effect either like because you're just wasting a stunning uh, a resource basically on Stunning Strike. Anyways, Heightened Discipline is now a feature that increases the effects of Flurry of Blows, Patient Defense, and Step of the Wind. All right. Remember what I said earlier, but I like it when like core cool features get established and they get improved later on. Love to see it. Self-restoration now allows you to remove some conditions at the end of your turns. Deflect energy now also works against melee attacks. Cool. Superior defense can now be activated at the start of your turn instead of using an action or a bonus action. 
Perfect Discipline now gives you expended discipline points if you have three or less. Body and Mind is a new level 20 feature. All right, let's skim through this. We don't want to be here all day. So, Monk's Discipline. Discipline points, everything like that. Let's get to the meat of it. Some features that use discipline points require your target to make a saving throw, use wisdom, and so on. Flurry of Blows. You can spend one discipline point to make two unarmed strikes as a bonus action instead of one. Cool. Notice how it says, it no longer says when you take an attack action. Oh, also, all the, the initial uh, martial arts die is now a d6, no longer a d4 at the start. Great. Small little power boost, but it's necessary. You can just Flurry of Blows as a bonus action now. You can do something completely different as an action. Flurry of Blows. Love it. Patient defense, you can take the disengage action as a bonus action. Alternatively, you can spend one discipline point to take both the disengage and the dodge actions as a bonus action. Sweet. Dodge is a bonus action on its own, potentially too strong. Why would you never, why would you ever not use it, you know? Disengage is a bonus action, however, rogues can do that. So now, monks can do it too without spending a discipline point. Love it. And then spend one to make it a bit better. Love it. Step of the wind. You can take the dash action as a bonus action. Alternatively, you can spend one discipline point to take both the disengage and dash actions as a bonus action. And your jump speed distance is doubled for this turn. Once again, monks can bonus action dash. Now, I mean, rogues can bonus action dash. Now, monks can do it too without spending a discipline point. Of course, if you want to disengage and dash, that requires a discipline point. That feels fair. Uncanny metabolism at level 2. When you roll initiative, you regain all expended discipline points. When you do so, roll your martial arts die and regain a number of hit points equal to your monk level plus the number rolled. Wow. That's good. That is very good. Immediately, the monk... But you can only use this once per long rest. Cool. Immediately, the monk feels those major problems that I had. If you did that and kept the monk the rest of the way now, I would be happy. You have way more options for your discipline points or same options... But you don't have to use the spin points all the time. And you can regain them much easier. Love it. Uh, deflect attacks at level 3. You can use your reaction to deflect melee and ranged attacks against you. That deal bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing damage. When you do so, the total damage you take is reduced by 1d10 plus your dex mod plus your monk level. If you reduce the damage to 0, spend 1 discipline point to redirect some of the, the force. If you do so, choose a creature within 5 feet of you. If the attack was a melee attack... Or 60 feet if it was arranged. That isn't by total cover. That creature must succeed on a dex save or take damage equal to two rolls of your martial arts die plus your dex mod. Awesome. Love it. I love that you can now redirect melee attacks. Very cool. Overall, not a single note. I love it. Uh, level 5 Stunning Strike. They said that was another change. Once per turn, when you hit a creature with a monk weapon or an unarmed strike, you can spend one discipline point to attempt a, stun, uh, to, uh, attempt a stunning strike. The target must make a con save. On a failed save, they have the stun condition at the start of your next turn. Cool. On a successful save, the target takes force damage equal to a roll of your martial arts die plus your wisdom mod. Interesting. I would make it that you take force damage regardless. And then on a failed save, and if they succeed on the save, they take half the force damage. You need. You don't want... Like, you clearly want them to, f- the, the success on the saving throw to be better than the fail. And in this case, it's situational, which would be better, being stunned or taking the damage. So I would, I like that they've added an additional side effect, but I would add that side effect to the, 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 the fail on the save as well. Um, yeah. 
heightened discipline level 10. This is amazing. Your training has pushed your body and mind to new levels. Your flurry of blows, patient defense, and step of the wind gain the following benefits. Flurry of blows, you can spend one discipline point to use flurry of blows and make three unarmed strikes with, the, uh, with it instead of two. Patient defense. When you spend a discipline point to use patient defense, you gain a number of temporary hit points equal to two rolls of your martial arts die. Step of the wind. When you spend a passive... When you spend a discipline point to use step of the wind, you can choose a willing creature within five feet of you that is larger or smaller. You move the creature with you until the end of your turn. This creature's movement doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity. I love it. Doing three attacks as a bonus action with one discipline point. Immediately. So good. I kind of see... <laughs> I know I'm hearkening back here, but if Paladin didn't have this Divine Smite nonsense with the bonus action thing, if you put current Paladin with this monk, granted, you'd have to get quite a fair number of levels in. Let's say five levels of Paladin, ten levels of monk, level 15 character. You've got enough spell slots at level five to... You've got at least five spells. I think you've got like six, maybe. Two Divine Smites on every single one of those hits <laughs> to deal five attacks and five smites. If you're going for a level 20 character, you could put some more levels in Paladin and go two levels in Fighter and get an action search on top of that. Wild. Absolutely wild. But great. Um, deflect Energy... You can now use at level 13, you can use your deflect attacks feature against attacks that deal any damage type, not just bludgeoning, piercing, or slashing. Um, cool. That's sick. Just picture someone throwing an Eldritch Blast at you. Or, um, yeah, Eldritch Blast. It's just the first thing that comes to my head. Because so many other attacks, uh, like spell attacks, are saving throws at later levels. But if you were to do, um, trying to think of one that has a, a spell attack, let's just go with Eldritch Blast. Catch, reverse, throw back, and Eldritch Blast. That's like Scott Pilgrimy anime type of stuff, and I love it. That's so cool. Level 15, you get perfect discipline when you roll initiative, and you have three discipline points or fewer. You can regain expended discipline points until you have four. Cool. Um, so it's pretty much as a default, whereas before, at level 2, you got Uncanny Metabolism. You regain all expended discipline points when you roll initiative, but that only lasts once per long rest. So it's pretty much first combat, you get all your initiative, all your discipline points back. From second combat onwards, in the day, you're only going to get up to 4, which is fine. It's pretty decent. And then, yeah, Body and Mind level 20. Your dex and wisdom scores increase by 4, and your maximum for these scores is now 26. Overall, I really, really like the monk changes. I really do. I'm not going to touch on the warrior of the open hand, but I will say, before I quickly dive into the spells in this playtest, they've listened. They've made a lot of big changes to the monk, and I want to go back and look at the changes they've made to ranger. I know ranger got better, at least Beastmaster... Ranger's not a, not a bad class. Like, I can't compare them to Monk. Beastmaster Ranger, sure. But... Or the original one. This Monk is really good. And it fulfills this fantasy of... Attacking a bunch of times. 
doing tons of cool things that show how mobile you are and allows you to not, it, it has an appropriate cost. I feel like the original design of the monk, the idea of how much, how important or how useful these features were, were not appropriate. They didn't, they maybe feel like the creators maybe thought monk was stronger than it was and needed to have this currency. So, yeah, I like the changes and I can't wait to try out this monk. I haven't really cared about trying out playing a monk ever. So, might have to unearth uh, or create a little unearth uh, a little monk in the game from sometime soon. So, let's quickly tackle some of these spells. So, the spell changes conjure animals, conjure celestial, conjure elemental, conjure fey, conjure minor elements and elemental and conjure woodland beings have all been redesigned to differentiate them from the summoning spells from Tasha's Cauldron of Everything, which will appear in the player's handbook in 2024. Yeah, I got thoughts. Cure Wounds now is healing increased to 2d8, and the healing improves by 2d8 at higher levels. Amazing. Fount of Moonlight is a new level 4 spell for Bards and Druids. Healing Word increases to 2d4. Healing improves by 2d4 higher levels. Cool, so there's still no reason to choose Cure Wounds then. Good to know. Mass Cure Wounds now heals for 5d8 instead of 3d8. Mass Healing Word now heals for 2d4 instead of 1d4. Power Word Fortify is a new spell for Bards and Clerics. And Starry Wisp is a new cantrip for Bards and Druids. So let's just skim through these Conjuring spells. Because I got some thoughts. So, Conjure Animals. You guys know Conjure Animals. Cast a spell. Based off the level of the spell, can choose X number of animals of certain chance rating. Absolute Nightmare for DMs. But it very, very clearly fulfills this fantasy of having creatures that you've summoned, being a summoner. Let's see if these changes do the same thing. Conjure animals. Level 3 Conjuration, Druid Ranger. Concentration, up to 10 minutes. You summon nature spirits that take the form of a large swarm of spectral animals in an unoccupied space that you can see within range. The swarm lasts for the duration. And you choose the animal form of the spirit, such as wolves, serpents, birds, etc. When a creature hostile to you enters a space within 10 feet of the swarm for the first time on a turn, or starts its turn there, you can make a melee spell attack against that creature. On a hit, the target takes radiant damage equal to 2d10 plus your spell casting ability modifier. You have advantage on strength saving throws while you're within 10 feet of the swarm. And when you move on your turn, you can also move the swarm up to 30 feet to an unoccupied space that you can see. When you cast the spell using a spell slot level 4 or higher, the damage increases by 1d10 for each spell slot level above 3. Okay. This no longer fulfills that fantasy. <laughs> this is now, you've created a cloud. You've created a cloud kill. You've created a fog. You've, you, you haven't, you are no longer controlling an entity. You're no longer controlling creatures you're no longer having like a couple of wolves appear and fight alongside you. You've now created a animal colored, an animal shaped cloud. I don't like it. I really don't like it. It's basically Guardian of Faith. It's, it's very Guardian of Faithy now. And I get why they're doing it. Like Conjure Animals sucks for a DM to deal with, but you got to be able to like i like i had a player in a game that i was i was going to be running uh, mythic odysseys of theros and he was going to go circle of the shepherd and i was like okay all right 
tell me the things you're going to be wanting to summon and let me make sure I have the stat blocks for it. Let me make sure I have tokens for it. Let me have, like, it just requires preparation. But that is the fantasy that the DA, that the player wants to fulfill. Player doesn't want to fulfill, I want to create a cloud kill that looks like a wolf. Like, that's not, that's not what it is. You know? Or a guardian of faith that looks like wolves. So, I really don't like this in comparison to, and, and all the conjuring spells have, have done this now. Conjure elementals. Now, similarly, you create this, this creature. When a creature uh, hostile to you moves within five feet of the spirit, you can make a melee attack. On a hit, the target takes 88 damage of the type, bludgeoning for earth, cold for water, and so on. It's also pulled into the cube and has a restraint condition. Like, it's now no longer a creature that, that you can command. It's, it's, it's a trap. It's a physical obstruction that you've created. And I do not like it. And they all are variations of this. So let's let's move on before I get cross. Fount of Moonlight. Level 4 evocation for Bard and Druid. This is an action. Range of self. Concentration up to 10 minutes. A cool light reads your body for the duration. Emitting bright light in the 20 foot radius. And dim light for an additional 20 feet. Until the spell ends you have resistance to radiant damage. And hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Is this not just light version Shadow of Moil? I believe so. Until the spell ends, you have resistance to radiant damage and your spell attacks deal an extra 2d8 radiant damage on a hit. Melee attacks. In addition, immediately after you take damage from a creature, you can see within 60 feet of yourself. You can use your reaction to force the creature to make a con save. Failed save, the creature has the blinded condition until the end of your next turn. Cool. It's It feels like Shadow of Moil, but for light. And it's very cool, and I like the idea of using this as a Circle of the Moon druid. It's you're a glowy animal, and I really dig it. Uh, the various cure wounds, power word fortify, level seven enchantment for bards and clerics. You speak a word of power that fortifies up to six creatures you can see within range. The spell bestows 120 temporary hit points, which are divided equally among the spell's recipients. That's 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 good. Is it a level seven worthy spell? How much does how much does inspiring leader give you? Let's have a look because the say you have a party of six people because they it doesn't say how many here uh, up to six creatures cool up to six creatures you can see within range so yourself and and five others that's a that's a big party but I'm currently DMing for a party of that that size level seven it's a level seven spell meaning you get it at thirteenth level so let's say a thirteenth level characters. Also using Inspiring Leader. Inspiring Leader, choose up to six friendly creatures within 30 feet of you that can hear you understand you after talking for 10 minutes and so on. Each creature gains temporary hit points equal to your level plus your Charisma mod. So you'll be a level 13. If you're a bard, you've probably got a plus five. So you're getting 18 temporary hit points. This spell is giving 20 temporary hit points and it's a seventh level spell. I don't think that's strong enough. Give more temporary hit points. It's strong enough if you're using for if you've got a very small party. If you've got a small party, this is really strong. A party of three people. Party of three people, you get 40 temporary hit points. That's great. Anyways. Starry Wisp. This is the last spell we're gonna talk about today. Action, 60 feet range, instantaneous. You launch a mote of lights at one creature or object within range. Make a range spell attack against the target. On a hit. The target takes, oh, this is just cantrip. The target takes 1d8 radiance, and until the end of your next turn, it emits dim lights in a 10 foot radius, and can't gain a benefit from the invisible condition. 
it increases to 2d8, 3d8, and 4d8. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, that's okay. That's decent. Um, 60 feet. I would maybe make it 30 feet and make it a d10 instead of a d8. But overall, decent ranged spell attacks, I think, are great. I love ranged attacks for spells. In comparison to spell saves, they tend to hit better. So, I like it. So, overall, I'm not going to delve into all the other things. That's, like, the main stuff to talk about. Overall, for this playtest, playtest 8, what have we, what have we gleaned? Barbarian, we really like the changes. We like those. The barbarian changes are good. The brutal strike, very cool, gives some good tactical options. Monk, oh, sorry, next was druid. Druid changes, kind of indifferent on. They are neither good nor bad. They have not destroyed the druid. They have not made the druid way too strong. They have made the druid fine. On par with where it should be, I think. Monk, major improvements. A plus, no issues. Spell changes. Conjuring and summoning spells, please. F minus, see me after class. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Don't like them. I would have to test them out. But honestly, damage-wise, they may- maybe they stack up and there's no issues. But as far as the, the, the fantasy that you're trying to fulfill with those summoning spells... I don't think this is it. Some of the newer spells, however, pretty cool. I like my Lights of Moil and the uh, Starry Wisp and stuff. The Fortification, Powerwood Fortify, it's good if you've got a very small party. But overall, I think that's it. I think that's all we already have to say about it. If you've playtested this, uh, have a playtest, see what you guys think. Don't trust my word for it. Maybe none of what I've said is true. But I think it's all pretty pretty accurate. And we'll see what they do after this playtest. What's coming in playtest 9? Who's the same? Maybe they just take Paladin and go, Ah, we were just kidding. Your smite's staying exactly the same. That's it for this episode of the RPGs podcast. I'll see you all next time. Bye.